Hello and welcome to another episode of Crypto for Planners. I am Steve Larson and joining me as always is Adam Blumberg, who is fresh off of a move to Colorado. And Adam, I wanted to ask, have you discovered things to do in Denver when you're dead yet? Uh, I've, fortunately, I haven't gotten to the uh, the dead part. I'm, I've, I feel pretty close. I, I feel pretty close. The, the move has been exhausting. I will say this, moving from the ridiculous heat right now in Texas to this uh, beautiful, dry, kind of cool weather is, has been really nice and uplifting. So I thought, I thought maybe I would find the things to do in Denver when I'm dead uh, after the first night I was here, but now I'm good. Thank you for asking Good. My '90s reference this week is a little more obscure, so I'm glad I'm glad you got it. Um, yeah. But with your with your move to Colorado, I'm sure it's been top of mind anyway. Oh, of course, yeah. Always looking for things to do. Just hopefully, hoping not for the dead part. Yep, you got it. So Adam's recording from a brand new, damp, moldy basement studio in his new house that he just moved into. So congratulations on that. While you get your office set up and and all your nice things moved in, but yeah. in the we are going to provide a little pick-me-up for Adam here because he's unpacking boxes all day. And we're going to talk about his favorite topic, which is crypto and specifically the intersection of crypto and advisors. And we have had no shortage of news over the last couple of weeks. Let's just dive right in. What is BlackRock doing, Adam? Man, that, you know, for, for weeks, almost months, Steve, the, the talk was relatively negative when it came to crypto, when it came to advisors you know, what the SEC was doing, they were just pounding it all and, and basically trying to eradicate crypto almost in, in the U.S., right? And we, we talked about it over and over again. It was just kind of a very negative feel. You and I both knew things were happening behind the scenes uh, in, in different projects and such, but it just looked like everyone's going to leave the U.S. and the U.S. was just not going to participate. And then BlackRock just swung a hammer and <laughs> broke open the window. I don't even know what analogies you want to use. They basically said, no, no, no. We want to spot Bitcoin ETF. We submitted an application and that just that just blew up. Bitcoin price went up. ETH price went up. Everything went up. Everyone's all excited and overjoyed right now. Uh, that and, and of course, it happened when you know I'm in the middle of a move and I can't get on here and talk about it with you. But it was, it was nice to see prices kind of shoot up a little bit. And for this, this just renewed interest, right? This renewed interest that maybe this will work in the U.S. Yep. Yep. So here, here's here's one of the big questions. Why now? When it certainly seemed like crypto and including Bitcoin, everything is under assault. Why does one of the largest, most compliant, most politically connected investment managers in the world, and you can replace one of with the for everything I just said, right. why did they choose now uh, to submit their Bitcoin ETF application? I think it's a really good question. And look, I've been out of it a little bit in, in terms of moving from offices and, and, and cities and such, but I can't, I don't quite understand why now it seems odd in the middle of a, you know, this bear market we've been in, but maybe this is the time where they go, look, we can, we can use our political influence. We can use our money to, to influence this and actually get this approved right now. A couple of years ago, when everyone was submitting Bitcoin ETF applications, Bitcoin spot ETF applications, and none of them were getting approved. And it was just, just FOMO, right, where everyone was just trying to jump on the Bitcoin bandwagon. Um, maybe, you know, BlackRock at the time was actually famously kind of against crypto. And now I think that they've seen they've done their homework. They've seen this is not going away. We can make this a, a big market for ourselves. We can jump in here first. And I have to think, Steve, that either they know something They've already done the deal. They've already, you know, arranged everything or they know that all they have to do is, is, you know, turn a few screws and 
exert a little bit of influence and this is going to get passed. Right. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine BlackRock is going to wade into this and not know for pretty certain that it's going to get approved. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt about that. And and who knows, maybe somebody knows how much of BlackRock is former SEC staff and vice versa. I'm sure there is undoubtedly plenty of that going on. And you're right, BlackRock doesn't put their reputation or weight into one of the more politically toxic areas, specifically when the SEC is involved, like crypto, without knowing the outcome here. So I've heard a lot of people say, hey, that's like, you know, if I'm putting my conspiracy hat on, it almost seems like the SEC is clearing out crypto natives to pave the way for traditional finance. And my comment is stop prefacing that with putting on your conspiracy hat. That is clearly what is going on. I don't know why everybody's so afraid to say it. Right. They're attacking Coinbase, attacking Binance, attacking everybody else. And then magically BlackRock is good to go and Fidelity rolls some things out. And so I, I, I to me, it's, it's just, it's pretty obvious that's what's happening. Oh, of course. Right. It, and you know that, you know, all, all those firms have, you know, big political connections. They all donate quite a bit of money and they did not want to be left out. Right. If if Bitwise, if Grayscale, if all their ETFs had been approved and BlackRock and Fidelity get left out of the Bitcoin race, that would have been bad for them. So when you go to, OK, why why this timing? Well, the timing is because Coinbase is under fire from the SEC. Binance is under fire from the SEC. Everyone seems like they're like the SEC is, is knocking them down, all the crypto natives, all the, the, the kind of startup crypto companies. And as you said, just paving the way for BlackRock and Fidelity and Schwab and everyone else to jump in on what everyone else has been building for years. So let's talk about a, a hypothetical here. Um, and we haven't talked about this. For, sorry for throwing this out. You. It also occurs to me that sure, there's a war on crypto native companies. Um, there also seems to be a little bit of a war on the delivery system. Whereas things might be lightening up on ETFs, but cracking down on the custody level. What do you think would happen if Coinbase submitted a, an ETF application? They, uh, they right did the after the BlackRock one, you mean? Yeah. Uh, well, look, I think at this point, they just copy and paste, right? You, you copy and paste what BlackRock does. And it, it, my understanding is it makes it really hard for the SEC to approve one and not the other. The, the only thing they could say is, you know, maybe because of the fact that you Coinbase are also a custodian, you have to show us that you're segregating your, your custody piece from your exchange, from your ETF piece. And so I don't, you know, again, not being an attorney, not being a securities lawyer, I'm not quite sure what would happen, but I know that, you know, Bitwise resubmitted, Wisdom Tree resubmitted, Valkyrie resubmitted, and they basically copied and pasted the language mm -hmm. from the BlackRock application. So how, how can the SEC choose to approve one and not the other if they're doing everything almost exactly the same? Well, you'd right. think, right? But, but, but they, somehow, they, somehow they find a way. And, and that would be my advice to Coinbase. And when Brian Armstrong calls here uh, in the next couple of weeks, because we have our, our weekly chats, of course, that's, that's what I'm going to tell them is, you know, if there is a regulatory path to do something in crypto, as it clearly is opening up, like jump on and, and see if they still want to pick a fight in a different arena. I think that would be really interesting to see. Right. But, but, but keeping kind of in mind that, but... go ahead. No, well, along those lines, we saw what last week where the the EDX exchange was launched. Did I get the letters right? I think it's EDX exchange was launched, and yes. you know, with with Schwab, uh, Citadel, and and others, mm -hmm. where of course they're going to be an ex a non custodial exchange, right? So this is something that the SEC has had a problem with as well. The fact that Coinbase and Gemini and Kraken are all exchanges and custodians. And so this is the incumbents going, all right, we'll play nice. 
we'll create a non-custodial exchange so that you and I, so that anyone in the world can exchange crypto assets without actually having custody. That's what the SEC wants. That has been launched. And so this is what you're seeing. You're, you're, you're seeing us go down the traditional finance paths with the traditional finance incumbents because they know how to, to not only play nice with what the SEC wants, but have been you know, funding that for years. They've been funding the, the politicians. They've been funding the SEC for years. And, and as you said, this is not conspiracy theory anymore. This is, this is just what's happening. The, the U.S. government overall, the regulators, they're not in the habit of going, yes, let's totally adopt something completely new, even though we're getting no political donations from it. Yeah, exactly. And so if you didn't catch that news, so a, a, a partnership of Fidelity Schwab and Citadel uh, partnered up and they launched the EDX exchange, EDX markets, I think it's called, um, which is not available to retail investors. You have to apply as an institution to trade there. It's non-custodial, but also they have to approve you. So it doesn't mean it's open. It doesn't mean it's transparent. It doesn't mean the things we like about crypto. It just means it's non-custodial to address the things you brought up, Adam, which is, hey, we're not a custodian and an exchange. Those are separate. But if the name Citadel sounds familiar, it's from um, Robinhood fame, one of their biggest backers and where they send their deal flow and from the whole GameStop saga. And what we learned is that Citadel is a major player behind the scenes of all of this and a major market maker. And so my guess is the reason they are involved is because they want to continue making markets on the crypto exchange and keep their share of revenue that goes that way. So like on Uniswap, I can go in and market make myself and I can do it for my clients and so can you. Uh, on EDX markets, we cannot. It is very much protection of the status quo, which is why I would imagine it's being launched right now. Yes, I, I would have to think so. And as you said, going back to timing, right? The SEC knocks down all the kind of crypto incumbents, right? The ones that have been building and building and building for years and doing so in a compliant manner as much as they can. And the SEC keeps knocking them down, knocking them down. And then here come the financial behemoths with their money and with their, you know, we will play nice. We, we will write the rules or, or I guess we will write our applications along with you, SEC, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, mm -hmm. so that after you know a few weeks, you'll go ahead and approve it and we'll get to do what we want. And we won't lose out. We won't lose out on revenue. We won't lose out on market share to all those upstart crypto companies. Mm-hmm. So let's let's walk through. Um, I, I think Fidelity will illustrate this transition a little bit because they just announced their Fidelity. Gosh, I already forgot the name. Uh, uh, the the they they launch crypto for wealth managers. Yes, that's right. That's right. So let's walk through maybe what Fidelity has been doing. So when Fidelity for the last several years um, until recently had just offered just Bitcoin, so they get a client who wants to buy Bitcoin. Fidelity goes out and puts Bitcoin into an account or at least a sub account ledger entry for them. Presumably Fidelity is making that market. They own X amount of crypto and they're taking a spot price from somebody and they're allocating it to that customer. Now I can't, I can't verify that's hundred percent it, but that stands to reason. Don't you think? That, that seems accurate. So then they add ETH and now they want to add some other assets as well. However, if they keep operating as their own exchange or their own market maker, they're into that same problem that we just that we just talked about. Potentially the same problem as Coinbase as being custodian and an exchange and and Gemini and and all these other ones. And so I think the Fidelity one is very very closely tied to the EDX markets, and it's why they're participating because in order to maintain their custodial independence, they're going to need to trade on this as well. Um, 
And so they all, they kind of did it the reverse of Schwab where Schwab waits for the market, then they'll figure out the custody. Um, it's Schwab. So maybe in eight or 10 years, they'll figure out the custody, but, uh, and, but, but Fidelity is clearly thinking, okay, if we're going to trade securities, we can maybe get away with this if it's Bitcoin, but if we're going to trade things that may or may not be securities or may or may not be in question, it's got to be on a independent, so to speak, uh, exchange. Exactly. That, that seems pretty accurate. And that's why Fidelity is involved in this. They've been now keep in mind, Fidelity has been custodying Bitcoin for years, ETH for a couple years. They've actually been on board with with crypto for a really long time. They've done their homework um, and and they have wanted to launch custody. And I think probably recently they've said, OK, we we see that the SEC is not cool with us being custodian in exchange, even though that that probably makes it more efficient for our clients. So. We want to be a part of this with Citadel and Schwab, and chances are Fidelity started the whole thing and said, "Look, we yeah. we have custody. Citadel has market making abilities. Schwab is Schwab. They have a bunch of retail clients, yeah. and you know, and a bunch of RIAs. So let's all you know, let's let Schwab in the room, so that it doesn't look like it's just the two of us in a in this deal, and you know, launch this marketplace. And you know, the the I, I guess part of the good part is we've seen prices go up." Right. The, mm -hmm. the good part between the, the spot ETF, what BlackRock did and all the others that have, that have jumped on right after that to kind of amend their application. Yeah. And then what we're seeing with with EDX markets, what we're seeing with Fidelity Crypto for for wealth managers is prices have gone up. Right. Number go up, which a lot of people have you know rejoiced and said, yeah, you know, the, the amount of my my the value of my Bitcoin has gone up. Yeah. The, the question for you and I, because we're relative you know, purists in this, we like the idea of crypto and DeFi and blockchain technology is, is this how we want to do it? Is, is, this, is this the game we want? Yep. And the answer, of course, is, is no. And so, but we have to ask, is this, is this a worthy intermediate step, right? Is this to get money flowing on chain? Is this worth it? Is it worth uh, cheerleading TradFi in the door? just to get the flows in in that case i'd say yes this this business is full of intermediate steps it's full of compromises it's full of imperfect solutions um and because there is this absolute north star we're going for there's rarely a solution where there isn't some type of compromise this this one's a little hard to swallow because uh of the time we spend in tradfi but right. uh, i think it, i think it's necessary I, I think it's necessary too and and we knew that as much as we as much as you kind of like it, there isn't going to be a day where the switch flips and all of a sudden it's going to go from traditional finance, traditional custodians to bam, everyone's using Ethereum and Uniswap and, and all the, you know, and, and Aave and USDC and such like that. That's not going to happen. It's going to be a slow march going that direction. And if this is kind of a necessary step in the middle, that, as you said, gets just billions and billions of dollars flowing in, you know, as you said, uh, um, BlackRock being a multi-trillion dollar asset manager, largest asset manager in the world, mm -hmm. you're going to get billions, potentially trillions of dollars flowing into to the ecosystem. You're going to get so many more people interested. I think that, and don't quote me on this number, but I think the day a spot ETF is actually approved, you might see the price of Bitcoin double that day. Yep. Because there's just going to be, have to be such an, a, an incredible amount of Bitcoin purchased by all these different companies that are going to get their ETF approved, BlackRock probably being the first one, that is that the market's not going to keep up. Prices will double. Everyone now is going to have much more FOMO and want to jump in. 
hopefully what that does, Steve, is it means more people want to learn about it, right? More advisors yeah. want to learn about it. And an ETH ETF can't be that far behind. Once Bitcoin gets yep. approved, an ETH ETF is just going to be more copy paste. Here's yep. how we're going to do the, the next one. That'll get approved. And hopefully what that sets off is more people go, oh, well, what's the value proposition of ETH? Well, it's the Ethereum network. What happens there? Well, that's where we have decentralized finance. That's where we have lending and borrowing. And that's where we have NFTs. That's where we have tracking of assets. Yeah. Let's learn more about that. And that will hopefully get us down that road. Yeah, that makes sense. And then that'll lead to a really great conversation of, is it just ETH? Why not stake ETH? Right? Why not get a return on that ETH? Why not hold it yourself? And it can take us even a step past where the Bitcoin conversation takes us, which is fantastic. And so I, exactly. I will end on what we're about at time. So I'll end on that note, because anytime I can end on staked ETH, you know that I'm super happy. Um, but I'll kick it back to you, Adam, for your final thoughts on really these last couple of weeks of, of uh, attack of TradFi. Yeah, I, I think it's like... In the long term, it, it's not the direction I want to go. In the short term, whatever gets the interest up and whatever says, okay, there is some sort of regulatory path here that, that we're going to go down, it's probably going to have to go through these traditional finance incumbents for the time being. Those of us that are more hardcore are going to have to suck it up and deal with it and know that there's an end, that there, there's an end that is likely more public ledgers, more public Ethereum, something like that. Just like, you know, you and I, Steve, when we first got on the internet, it was probably through something like CompuServe or Prodigy or AOL, where we were only subject to what they gave us. But eventually here we are on the internet. I get a new laptop, I pop it open and bam, I'm on a new phone and I'm on. And I don't think about who, the, who those incumbent players, I don't use AOL or CompuServe anymore. Yeah. I can use whatever I want on the internet. That's the direction we're going to go. It's just going to take some time and we have to go through these incumbents to get there. That's a good point. For me, it was AOL. I think I still have a desktop downloading artwork somewhere um, from a web page I've been to for the first time. That was always an experience. And, and so, some problems, some creepy chats too. And a lot, <laughs> lots of creepy, lots of creepy chats too. Well, hey, Adam, congrats on your move to Colorado. Um, you're, you're out of the 115 degree weather. So that's a fantastic thing. Um, you'll notice I, I didn't go with any dumb and dumber jokes. I'm saving those for as time goes on. I almost went with cliffhanger is that actually takes place in Colorado, but decide to go with things to do in Denver with your dad. So hopefully that was a good way to kick off your. your I think list. that's a good way to kick off. And I, I think that'll be a, a recurring theme and we'll definitely have to have some dumb and dumber uh, Aspen jokes. We definitely will. You and I are, are from the eighties and nineties and we cannot help ourselves. So no done. All right. Well, Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode. Uh, we're going to have, hopefully have a brief one for 4th of July as well and run through some of the, uh, maybe a little cryptocurrency and how it relates to the American revolution. Who knows what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, in the, in the, in the meantime, uh, if you have topics you want to cover or questions about everything that's going on, uh, please hit Adam and I up on, on LinkedIn, Dow, Twitter, wherever it is. We, we'd love to help you out. All right. Thanks, Steve. Good, good to see everyone. Everyone have a safe fourth and, uh, we'll chat, we'll chat with you next week. Take care.